I'd ask out of reverence for God's word that we rise as we read our text for today. It's Matthew 25. Verses 14 through 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went, uh, went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who received one talent went away, dug in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered uh, to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what's yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received uh, received what was mine With interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. From the one who has not, even what he has will be taken. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You have been given according to your ability that you might multiply God's good gifts and be found doing so when Christ Jesus returns. Uh, This phrase, it's long, or this sentence is long, and we'll say it a bunch. It is the summary of what we should learn from the text we just read. So we'll go over this slowly, uh, methodically, and, uh, and, and very clearly. I want, to, uh, I want to illustrate uh, kind of uh, what's happening in all of, of Jesus' uh, discourse here. And in the last couple of chapters, he's been talking about something. Right here, what we get is a, a little glimpse of, of what it means to be kingdom people, of what it means to be people who think of Christ coming again, and how we might live in, that, uh, in, in light of his return. And where we're at in, uh, in, our, in our preaching series here is that we're going through the traits of a disciple. This is Parkview's DNA, the traits of a disciple, where we've said that uh, according to a, a, kind of the series that we're going through, is that a, a Parkview disciple is a person who enjoys God's presence, who lives God's glory or story, who loves God's people, and who shares God's gifts. That's what we're in today, shares God's gifts. 
Now that's defined, if you're going through those DNA study guides, we define that as this. And that we are a people who sacrificially share our lives, including our money, time, and abilities, for the good of others, proving that we are cared for by a generous God. So, we get our text today. And it's, and it's fun because I, I, there are so many times that I'd love to, to preach a sermon that's like, hey, give to the church and, and it'll be great and everyone will be happy. But we get this text today, uh, and I'm so glad that it was assigned for, for us. We're all preaching this across the campuses. And I'm so glad that it was given to us because it's a challenging one. Uh, it's, it's actually a negative example of, of what not to do when you're given something. And, and we learn from someone being rebuked. And so it's a little dark. It's a little heavy. But the glory behind it and, and, and the motive behind Jesus' words and where it takes us is so beautiful. And I think sometimes we need, we need that kick so that, we, so that we look at it differently. We look at our giving. We look at our, our receiving uh, in a different way. So to that, I'll say it a ton of times today. You have been given according to your ability that you might multiply God's good gifts and be found doing so when Jesus Christ returns. Uh, that's going to be the outline, actually. There are three big phrases in there if you're a word nerd. And so we're just going to go slowly through this. Uh, each one of these phrases is going to be kind of our outline for today. Now, the big question I'm going to be asking is, what does it mean to be faithful with Christ's talents that he gives us? So our first point, you have been given according to your ability. That's the first part there. You have been given according to your ability. I want to give a little bit of context here. I kind of mentioned it a little out of turn here, but I'll go there now. Uh, Chapters 23, 24, and 25 of Matthew are what we call the Olivet Discourse. It's a really fun uh, way if you want to sound like a Bible scholar, I guess, say Olivet Discourse. Um, That'll be really good. Uh, The reason why it's this way is it's a discourse. Jesus is talking. He's just discussing some stuff, and he's doing it on the Mount of Olives. And so that's where we get all of that. Uh, so he's just sitting there talking to some guys, and he says it. But this is how we talk about it. So the all of it discourse, it goes to two, two parts here, uh, kind of two scenes, uh, leading up to the Mount of Olives and then sitting there with the disciples at the Mount of Olives saying some stuff. In verse 23, you can kind of skim along. I'm going to give you a view because a lot of times we get to this parable of, of the, uh, the talents, and we kind of read it out of context, and we get to, to, the, to, the, to the sense that it's like, hey, give money to the church. And I don't think that's where we're going all the way. There's a lot more there. Don't flatten it. So I want to give you the whole thing so we know what, we're, what, what the people are thinking or good readers of the Bible are thinking as we read the Bible naturally as it was written. Chapter 23. Um, Jesus has not yet got to the Mount of Olives, but he starts talking. And he gives these thing called woes. Uh, now, woe is like a cursing. It's like saying, you are awful and I am so sad because punishment is coming to you. Uh, so he's not just saying like, whoa to you, because that's a weird way to talk. He's actually like pronouncing a judgment on who? The scribes and the Pharisees. So the religious elite, he's the pastors of their day. He's saying, you guys have totally missed this. And he gives seven. That's a big number in, uh, in the, uh, or an important number in the Bible. And so he's giving a lot of judgment on these guys. So he says, you guys, the religious leaders, you're doing the wrong stuff. Woe to you. You don't get this. You've been given a role. You've been given gifts. You've been given a responsibility and authority, and you're not using it the way that you should be. You should be doing something else with this. If you want to take a note, uh, chapter 23, verse 23, we'll get back to that, but that's one of the keys that we get to um, uh, Jesus lighting them up because their tithes are done the wrong way. So then we get to chapter 24, and it doesn't actually get a whole lot, you know, 
happier. This is not the most happy discourse Jesus gives. Uh, So chapter 24, then Jesus talks about his coming. He says this is what it's going to look like when the Son of Man comes. The Son of Man is the biblical terminology for the one who will come to judge. Uh, Son of God is something different. Son of Man is the one who will come to judge the world. He says these are some of the things, false teachers, the Antichrist, all these things. So now we're like in deep, and all of that discourse is getting really dark. And he turns the corner a little bit, but not so much. Uh, Verse 45 of chapter 24. We'll get back to this as well. You can make a note of it. As he says then, who then is the faithful and wise servant among you? And he leads off with that. He says, I'm going to tell you who this wise and faithful servant is. I'm going to give you two parables. So now we're in chapter 25. We're almost there. We're almost to today's text. The first parable, he says, is like 10 virgins who had oil or not oil in their lamps as they waited. I'll interpret that for you. It's, he says, be ready. Be ready and expect Jesus to come. And, and as you're being ready, prepare yourselves so that you can wait. You don't know how long he's going to be here, but prepare yourselves to wait until he comes again. And there will be great reward. There will be a feast and a banquet for those who have prepared and who are waiting for Christ to return. Then we get to our text today. The kingdom of God, the return of Christ. That's very much what's at, what's, what's at the forefront of people's minds now. The return of Christ Is like this. It's like a master who gives some people some stuff. A couple of them do something with it and the other one doesn't. Then he goes on. You have been given according to your ability. I want to point you now to the text here. Now we have the context of what's going on. I want to point exactly to what we're talking about here. Uh, Verse 15 of chapter 25. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. I don't know if, if you're like me, but I, I think of something here. I think that, that, that Jesus, like when I think of this picture, oftentimes I think of Jesus having, you know, like, or this master, uh, having some coins, and he's like handed some coins out to some people, and, uh, and just kind of arbitrarily is like, ah, eh, here's five. Oh, got to divide it up a little bit. There are two for you and one for you. I gave that guy too much, and just kind of arbitrarily does you know, dividing up uh, as we do sometimes with our kids. (laughs) Um, But it's important to note a couple things. The very end of of that sentence there, uh, to to one he gave five and then two and then one, to each according to his ability. I think for the sake of time, and I want to be very clear with where we're going today, I just want to focus in on that. To each according to his ability. You have been given according to your ability. Um, I think there's, 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 there's something that maybe uh, m- my hope is in clarifying this, that, and, and with this whole text, that we're not being, it's not being clarified that we must give money. We must serve the church. We must do this or that or, or whatever it is as part of our faith. The first thing that this text is clarifying is that we need to do this for Christ. Christ needs to be at the forefront of our giving. Christ needs to be at the forefront of our serving. Christ needs to be at the forefront of all of those things. So, to that end, I want to focus on something in this phrase. To each according to his ability. I think the problem we have oftentimes, and I'll just put this on me, that I have oftentimes, is that I focus on this verse and I say, I've been given talents. And I focus on this idea of to my ability. And now, the days that I'm prideful, I think, God has made me a really awesome preacher. 
And I'm glad that he has gifted me and not those people that can't speak so good. Uh, But on days where I'm totally defeated, or maybe on days where I'm greedy, which is probably more often than not, I envy the gift that God has given to others. For example, Jamie Schrader. I envy his intelligence. Crazy intelligent, and I want that. I want that to be part of me, and he's super smart. If you don't know him, he's right over there, and he's super smart. (laughs) Sheldon Schroeder, not Schrader, Schroeder, weird conversation, skip it. And Matt Eckert, the crazy charismatic. I wish I had that. I feel like I come off as this, like, weird, awkward, like, hey, guys, I'm cool. Uh, Doesn't work. Uh, I'm funny on a microphone, and then you you guys have met me in the foyer. I'm weird. Um, I envy that. Uh, I go and uh, I I think of of, of people uh, that that are wise and discerning. And I just, I'm, I'm amazed at how they put that together. Uh, how, how they can see things that uh, I didn't even see what was happening here. You asked the right question. Oh, here's one. People that uh, listen, I have been wired to just vomit words all the time. And I am amazed that some people can sit in a meeting and not talk. I don't get that. Uh, or that they can like just sit there for a while and listen to someone and say, I know. And then ask another question, not give an answer. Ask another question to go deeper. That is a gift, and I envy that in people because I want those things. I, I, uh, not at my worst, at my norm, unfortunately, I envy the gift that people are given according to their ability. And I focus on that so much that oftentimes it's like I'm burying what God has given me and not doing anything with it. I'm just sitting there on my treasure. He's given me some things. He's given me a slight bit of discernment. He's given me a passion for the words. My brain, you know, is wired to like really dissect the words. He's given me that. I should work on that. I I, I have a passion about the Bible. I am convinced that the words of God are for the people of of God and that all of you and all people can actually understand the words of God. I am wired for that. Not everybody is wired that way. And oftentimes I think I wish I were smarter. I, I wish I were more charismatic. I wish I were a better teacher. I wish I could do this or that or whatever. And I sit there wanting those things without leaning into what I've been given. Now I'm giving myself as an illustration. Maybe you can, can relate to some of this. That you can point to one, two, three people that you would like to be like. And you wish that you had that gifting. And all the while, you're forgetting that you have been gifted according to your ability. Sometimes, you might actually be better at a gift if you just used it. Your ability isn't even tested. You've been given a gift of hospitality. It's just you choose comfort instead of trying it out. Romans 12, 3-5 gives us a pretty, pretty awesome insight to this. It's up on the screen, super tiny. Uh, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same functions. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of it. That's so beautiful. In order for, oh, okay, so how I see this view, I always want to like take a picture and show you the crazy things I view when I, when I like st- preach from the pulpit. 
One thing that I see often, especially when a text like this is read, is I see members of one body. Uh, Not because attendance is key, but because this is actually good for you. Coming here to gather for worship is essential for the body. I think of it as, I don't know, a a realigning of our our spine or the, the nerves being connected so that we can all communicate with each other. That we have all these different kinds of members of the body of Christ with different gifting according to their ability. And when we come together, one of the things we do is we, we, you know, we worship and we hear, but we also connect with each other to figure out what are the other parts of the body doing? What are the other parts of the body needing? I mean, how is my body ever going to know that my hand just got injured if it's never part of my body? It it doesn't work that way. The nerves don't work that way. We come together to, to build that nervous system. Some of you are in pretty nice sweet spot coming out of something maybe difficult. Some of you are, are, are just entering or have been in something bad or horrible. Some of you have financial needs. Some of you have recent loss. Some of you have strain with parenting, with marriage, with lack of parenting or marriage. We don't know that unless the body gets together. And so when we do that, we, we not only get together because we just go to church and do that. There's a whole different thing. Like the idea of just church attendance is not even in this right now. We need to be together for our own good, for the good of others. Because if I'm with myself, I come to the same ends every single time. I reason through the same thing the same way every single time. And only occasionally can I actually do something different. We need to hear the other talents that are given to their abilities, speak to us. That's why we need community. That's why we need the body. That's why we have a thing called membership, parts of the body all discerning this. One of the things we're discerning right now uh, as our need as, as, a, as a body is leadership. Uh, one of our brothers, Troy Lyons, he's been at Heartland for a while, uh, a long while, and uh, now he's being put forward as, a, as an elder candidate. Uh, we ask you to prayerfully and thoughtfully consider him. This is one of the things that the members do. Do we need this? Is he fit? Should he be part of the membership in this way? You can kind of get more information in the foyer about that. But this is one of the ways that we come together and discern. Because one person couldn't make I just explained it to my daughter. She's like, why are we voting for Troy? Everyone likes him. Let's vote for him. So you have, you have Emma's vote. I was like, he would, he would pay you to get on the microphone and say that. I don't know. But because he's elder qualified, he knows not to do that. Ha ha. Um, uh, the, uh, uh, but, but I told her, I said, because one person might make a mistake. We know this. So we have to trust each other that we can all, with our gifting, make the right decision. And my daughter looked at me like, that's weird, Dad. Um, So maybe later she'll, she'll get that. You have been given according to your ability that you might multiply God's good gifts and be found doing so when Jesus Christ returns. So the first thing we see is that these guys are given gifts. That what we need to do is focus less on the ability and focus more on the fact that we have been given something. You have been given according to your ability. The next point is that you might multiply your gifts. These guys are given with expectation. I mean, I'm kind of synthesizing the whole thing, not line by line here. Uh, but, but, but the master comes back and it's obvious that all the servants and the master all understood like you should be doing something with this. Because they said, they come back like, why did they, he's like, what did you do for a servant? Well, I multiplied this, you know, now it's double. And the second one says that, like, no one's asking the question. They just know this was expected. And then the last guy, he says, you know, 
I knew that you were greedy, more or less. And so I buried it, and I was scared. One of the things that the master says to him is so important. He says uh, in verse 26, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. Okay, so um, the word interest or just the idea of interest comes up several times in the Bible. Not a lot, but some. Um, this is the only time that actually is like good. Um, in the Old Testament, the idea of interest is a bad thing. We're told, let's not do interest. Like, let's not lend money with interest. Let's not uh, go this way. Ezekiel 18, Nehemiah 5. Those are kind of your big ones uh, that, that, that developed this idea. And they say, let's, let's move on. This is a bad institution. Like, this is a bad way to deal with people is to, to do things on interest. Now, I'm not saying that that applies one-to-one right now, but just in the context of where they're at, this is the first time interest is not spoken of poorly. So it's kind of striking that Jesus would be the one that's like, hey, why didn't you do the interest thing? Because you told us not to. <laughs> and so, so what is he saying? The point is not interest or not no interest. He's saying, even if you would have done something that I don't really like, even if you would have done something that's lackluster, even if you would have done something that's not the greatest option, you would have at least done something with it. That's the point that he's making. So he says, but what you did instead is you got all scared, and I'm not sure that you're scared because you would have said you terrified thing. You're slothful. You were lazy. You were given something, and you did do something. You dug a hole, and you put the money in it. And that's your wickedness. Now, I want to go back to this. Um, Matthew 23, 23. What is the point of the money? Uh, I guess, I guess if, we, if we want to um, clarify what this talent is, uh, that idea of the coins, uh, the coins that, that Jesus is handing out, maybe this is just my like, storybook Bible that always happens uh, uh, when I read these stories because I've read so many story Bibles uh, that now all I can see is those pictures. And a talent isn't actually like the coin. Uh, so he's not like handing out a couple coins. Um, a talent is... Kind of a whole bunch of different ways to talk about it, but a talent is more of like a unit of measurement. So uh, I'd like to say pound. Um, I'd say kilo because a pound is actually money too. Uh, uh, a kilo. Uh, there's a kilo of this. So like a kilo of gold or a kilo of whatever, and then there's an amount of money attached to it. So what he's giving is not a talent like the thing. He's giving a talent of something. He's giving an amount of something. He's given he's given a weight. He's given a size. Now there's debate on how big that is. They all agree it's a lot. Um, so there's a lot. This thing is giving. What is he giving? He's giving this idea that maybe helps us understand the kingdom of God. You're not given the coins of money when we read this parable, but rather you're given. Await. You're given something that you are to steward. You are given an amount of something, a sizable amount of something. Your gift is something to you. I think the fact that they don't say he was given money uh, is helpful because the point is not first money. The point is you need to do well with the good gifts that God has given, no matter what they are. They are sizable. They are abundant. You need to do well with those, not bury them in apathy and wickedness. So what is the end goal of whatever we are given? Not just our money, with whatever we are given. Matthew 23, 
verses 23 through 24. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. I'm going to move that very quickly into our context today. Woe to you, pastors, elders, uh, leadership team. Woe to you, anybody who is giving some valuable uh, possessions, valuable amounts of stuff. I, I wish we got mint and dill and cumin in the plate. Feel free to do that sometime. But these were really costly things. And he said, woe to you who do that. You give exorbitant amounts to the church. But you're forgetting the whole point of this. The way to your matters are justice, mercy, and faithfulness. See, if we think that it's our money and we have to give our money, then we have a very limited view of this. I, I want to expand this. What is the weight? What is, what is the amount? What is the thing that we are all given? Maybe different gifts and abilities, okay, that's there. But we are all given Christ. We are all given the gospel. We are all given salvation. It's at least offered. It may not be taken. But when we are given that, what are the elements? What are the key elements of the gospel? Justice, mercy, faithfulness. They're right there. What is the point of our giving then? To advance the gospel. When we are given things, we are to use them to multiply the kingdom of God in the hearts and minds of others. So uh, I, I want to, uh, I want to, I want to be, uh, give us some time to work here on our own. Uh, I'm going to read just some examples of ways that we can apply this. I think the clear point that we, that we read in the text right now is that we are given the gospel. We are given and equipped with abilities and gifts to contextualize the gospel. The end goal is that people come to Christ, that Christ be glorified. The means by which we do that are different for each person. So I'm going to list a couple of ways in which God has given us uh, each uniquely, has gifted us something like a talent. He has given, uh, gifted us uh, different things through which we can use uh, to multiply the glory of God. So here are a couple. Uh, money, gifts, skills, relationship, knowledge, and experiences. I'm going to go to money first. It's the elephant in the room when you read Matthew 25. Uh, money. How can we give our money so that Christ be multiplied. Uh, here's uh, something that uh, you have cards in the back of your, your seats there. This is a uh, 2020 vision. It's a very practical thing. Uh, 2020 vision is something that Parkview has been doing for, I don't know, six months or so. Uh, it's this idea of, um, of, of expanding to three locations. Uh, it's an idea of, uh, of redefining our DNA. Uh, if you read one of those cards, one side will tell you a, a, a concise summary of that. If you were on Heartland, just to kind of because I know who's in the room, if you were on Heartland, our side of 2020 vision up until now has been, are we going to merge with Parkview? And now we're part of Parkview, and we're there. This is the vision of our church together. And I thought it would be effective to you know, just say that from the stage, like this is all of our vision at this point. Uh, part of it involves serving. Um, you guys do that incredibly well. It's amazing. Uh, how many people are serving on a given week and a given quarter uh, here uh, at North Campus? Uh, the other piece of that is, um, is, is, uh, is money, is giving financially to it. Now, there's the regular weekly, you know, ongoing uh, giving that may occur. But this is kind of an, uh, an above and beyond towards our vision of, of what uh, Parkview 
is hoping to accomplish for the glory of Christ. Now, uh, kind of to the tune, I think you can read on those cards that uh, there is part of, there are three parts of the financial piece there. Um, I think it's like 3.5 million or whatever to buy out the East Campus and, uh, or to purchase the property there and to uh, Faith Academies in there and to you kind of renovate some of the stuff there. That's a big thing that's in the works right now. I think the, the property's been purchased. Some wonderful things are happening there. I would really encourage you, even though it's a distance, go to Faith Academy sometime and see what it is. It will blow your mind. Uh, if you want to see the kingdom of God done in a way that's very different than most, go there and see that. It's fantastic. And talk to Doug Fern about that because his mind is beautiful in this area. Um, and all areas, sorry. Uh, but this one is his wheelhouse. Um, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the other thing is that there's some renovations on, uh, on Central Campus. And then the third piece of that would be to merge with uh, Heartland, now Parkview North Campus. Um, I want to give an update on that. Here, here's, here's a testament because a lot of times we say give, 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 give. Here's a testament to the amazing embrace of Parkview that they've had with Heartland. Uh, so when we merged, $670,000 was, was what, our, uh, what our loan was, our mortgage. The elders, the leaders, uh, have fronted our mortgage to be the first thing that gets paid with this. To date, two-thirds of that loan have been paid off already in like two months of being part of it. Isn't that generous? That's incredible. Now, if you have been here since the beginning of Heartland or any part of it, that is unimaginable. <laughs> That's incredible. That's abundant generosity. Uh, if you ever wondered, is this, a, is this a corporate takeover? It is not. Corporations don't do that so much. Um, this is wonderful. This is because they believe that, that the kingdom of God is moving in North Liberty, and they think that we are an outpost for that. And that's wonderful. That is a way that you can see dollars and cents building the kingdom of God and glorifying Christ. That's putting your talents to work. That's a wonderful testament of that. So if you want to be a part of that, please be a part of that. 2020 vision, you can read more details there. Um, the other one on that, and I'll go quickly because money is a big thing here. Um, this is one that's not really in the text here, but the idea of stewardship. Uh, this idea that they're, they're talking about making money, right? And so the giving and give to your church or whatever, that's part of the body uh, uh, and how we operate. Just out of necessity, things cost money. Um, but there's also this expense side of it that I don't think we talk about too much in churches. Um, so I'm going to say it, and I hope that you take it seriously, and I hope it comes back to me in wonderful, constructive, loving ways. You need to keep the people spending money accountable at Parkview. There's not a train wreck. There's not any evil happening or anything like that. I am just saying that it doesn't get said much from the front uh, in, in churches across the world. Like, keep us accountable. Be in the numbers. Not, not nosy, vindictive in the numbers, but keep us accountable. Like, we're spending the money of our family, and we need to make sure that we have a focused goal to which we're trying to achieve. We need to glorify Christ in our spending. Now, we need to know what that is. Like, be in that. I know financial reports aren't so fun to read, but at quarterly, quarterly uh, uh, congregational meetings, you know, getting some of that information, information, asking about that, asking what our focus is, asking what I'm doing, asking what our campus is doing. Do that because we need to do that. We have a lot of money that we can generate for the kingdom of God. We also have a lot of money that we can waste for our own pleasures. And so we need to have that accountability on the expense side of things as well. I'm very passionate about that, and I am very much under that request as well. So please hold me accountable to that as well.
All right, I'm going to move pretty quickly through the rest of these. What are other areas at which we can multiply the kingdom, multiply Christ, glorify Christ in the things that we've been given? Gifts and skills. I'm not going to go into spiritual gifts inventory. Those are, those are helpful for a starter, um, but I, I, that's, that's a, another topic. Uh, some skills, things that you have learned outside of maybe spiritual gifting. We've gone to school. Uh, you've learned some things in your profession. You can use that stuff to glorify uh, the kingdom. Uh, or to glorify Christ most. Uh, here, right here on this campus, here are maybe three uh, ways that I've seen this most uh, in, the, in this season. Uh, music. If you have music ability, uh, Sean Seaton is an amazing bassist. He's actually an even better keyboard player. Um, you've not seen that because we don't have bassists to cover that spot. So if you know how to play the bass guitar... We got a spot for you. Um, uh, also, uh, also, we are looking for... Um, for guitarists, Paul, Taylor, uh, Avery, they do a fantastic job. They're wonderful. I'm not saying anything about them. More the merrier. It's a wonderful way that you can be a part of worshiping uh, with the family. These are ways that you can do this. And as you can see with Avery and we've got Patrick, we don't limit that to adults because we are all worshiping together. So the kids should also be a part of the worship leading as well. Um, uh, baking is a strange one. Baking is, uh, uh, is actually uh, something needed here because we have communion every week. And if you didn't know, we bake our own communion bread every week. Um, and so if you would be interested in that, it's a simple recipe. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, my, uh, there are a couple ladies that do this and do it very prayerfully and thoughtfully as we prepare this. It's more than just baking a snack for Sunday. There's something involved in that. So if that's something you want to do, it's an easy way to contribute and help out. Uh, 3 p.m. on Sundays, Keystone Chapel. We lead uh, down at a retirement home. Uh, we lead through uh, baking some, some, uh, some goodies, through hosting, through pouring coffee, through uh, leading some songs, through uh, teaching a lesson. It's a half-hour chapel. It's wonderful. It ministers to the saints, and it multiplies the kingdom. There are a couple people, a couple residents, a couple staff there that we're very aware are wrestling with their faith right now. There's a good work happening in something that seems like a couple songs and coffee. So please go do that. At 3 p.m., I'll actually be teaching there today. If you want to come over and check it out, Keystone Chapel, 3 p.m. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, and also youthfulness. Uh, we have lots of youth in, in North Liberty. Uh, and youthfulness, especially in leaf-raking season, is a great thing. Uh, if you uh, just consider what gifts and skills, what stage of life you're in, if, you are, uh, if maybe you have more free time and you're able to watch kids, childcare is such a blessing to parents who need, need a break. There are ways in which we can minister and multiply the kingdom and glorify Christ with what we've been given that we just have. Like these aren't miraculous things. They're just a reality that we have. Relationship, presence with each other. We do great with potlucks. Uh, there's, 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 there's a great way to do a thing that I call micro potlucking, which is just inviting someone over for dinner. So I don't know. So I figured I'd leverage the potluck thing there. Uh, so have people over, have conversations, meet each other. Uh, it doesn't have to happen on the first Sunday of the month. You can do that after church today, grab somebody, uh, and, and see if they want to go get some food. Um, get coffee, uh, do, um, you know, honestly, there's one that's hard for me, but being present with each other. More than just being with each other, be present with each other. Just listening to each other, asking good questions, praying for them, giving them Christ. Uh, we have a lot of knowledgeable people. We're a very knowledgeable county, and we have a lot of educated people. Some of that education can be really helpful for other people. Uh, you may have uh, legal advice or medical advice, and granted, within limits that you can do within your profession. 
There are people that could really benefit from some of that stuff. Some of you maybe are just, you know, gifted mechanically or with construction or with, some, with, with, uh, with food or whatever it would be, and you could help out that way. Think creatively on how you can advance the kingdom through the cause of Christ. There are things that we've been given. Uh, experiences are such a big one right now, and this is one that I know, being a pastor here, experiences and the idea of mentoring it would just be so fantastic for the people of God. If we were a mentoring group of people, people have experiences that, uh, in marriage, in singleness. People have experiences in young parenting and in disciplining, the, disciplining their children, in empty nesting. Uh, people have experiences with divorce or death. People have experiences with chronic illness uh, or, or, or even experience with being a transient grad student. These are experiences that many of us are in right now, but at the same time, many of us have gone through as well. And sometimes it's really nice to be able to tell someone, I had a bad experience or I had a good experience and God was through it all. And I want to let you know that God will be with you as well. That is an amazing way that Christ is glorified in what we've been given. It may not seem like a fun talent, but it is a talent that we've been given. So we multiply it for the cause of Christ. So the final point here is uh, you have been given according to your ability that you might multiply your gifts and be found doing so when Christ returns. I'm just going to go all the way to Matthew 24, uh, 45. Can we read that last one? Who then, is faithful and who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household? to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing so when he comes. Jesus comes back and he asks the servants what they've done. And this one servant says, I just thought you were a greedy guy. I got pretty scared. I got pretty apathetic. So I didn't do anything. God has given you gifts that you might do something for the, for the kingdom, that you might do something for Christ with them. And he will return. And he will, he will return expecting to see you in action. And I think that keeps us from this idea that, oh, I helped my friend in a time of crisis. I had a long conversation with my friend or this person in need. Or I wrote a check to pay for the utility bill one time. And then we stop. Our service to each other, the way that we multiply Christ in this world is to be doing this without ceasing. And so we need to have a mind on that, that it's not a burden, it's an invitation. Because what happens to those who are laboring and multiplying this talent? What happens to those who are putting to work the good word of Christ? He says to them, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I love that line. Enter into the joy of your master. It's not like you, you made it. Now go to the kingdom. You made it. And doesn't your heart beat with that joy that I have? Haven't you seen my goodness in the world around us? Haven't you been in, on board with the movement of the gospel? Enter into the joy of your master. That's so great. Well, I pray, and I continue to pray, that we be a people who have been given, who understand that we've been given according to our ability, 
that we are people who are actively seeking to multiply God's God's good gifts so that when Christ does return, that all of us can be found in the act of laboring to make his name most known in our money, in our gifts, in our talents, in our experiences, in our relationships, in whatever we do. So the questions for application, short and three. What has been given to you? How can you multiply it? And when will you start doing that? Let's pray.